The Cloudcast is sponsored by Intel Cloud for All, driving the creation of tens of thousands of clouds. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to another episode of the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, Brian, we have to be shattering all records at this point um, of. Of consecutive podcasts together. I know. Uh, <laughs> you know I think we're up to about a month or so now, which is good. Uh, we haven't now. You know, the the flip side of that is not, we haven't seen each other in about six eight weeks. But uh, yeah, we're right, right. Together, so. Um, so so conference season is almost upon us. Um, what, what do you got coming up this year? Uh, we'll be out in San Francisco next week doing the uh, the Google event, and then uh, I've got Ozcon. Uh, maybe doing Ozcon. Definitely doing OpenStack Summit in Austin. So getting my fill of barbecue and then uh, we'll see what happens in uh, May and June and stuff. Definitely going to Docker con and stuff like that. Gotcha. Are um, you, are you, which the, what's the one you're track chair on? Uh, oh, an interop I'm doing, uh, I'm the track chair for interop, but I don't know that I'm going to be able to get over to interop uh, cause it's the same week as EMC world, but I'll be out in Vegas one. Well, I'll be running back and forth from the hotels in Vegas. So uh, doing, hitting all the shows this year. It'll be fun. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, probably gonna hit OSCON. Um, might hit Cloud Foundry Summit. Uh, I would definitely want to hit MesosCon. MesosCon is out in Denver. Um, so that one's gonna be really easy for me to get to with the office out there. Um, probably not gonna do DockerCon just because of some family conflicts. Um, and we'll see where everything goes from there. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how the, the year goes. Good. I'll, uh, I'll wave the flag at DockerCon for all the things we will. Uh, <laughs> and for everybody who kind of follows along, uh, we always do stuff with the O'Reilly people. We will have, um, some free passes to give away for OzCon. We will have some discount codes for OzCon. Give us about a week and uh, we'll put some stuff together for anybody who uh, wants to go to OzCon and then we'll do some stuff for Velocity as well. So, Yep. Um, oh, and, and real quick mention of that too. The uh, promo code that's on the website expired. Um, we are getting another one. Out. We were hoping to have it by today, but uh, we should have it uh, within the next day or two. Probably by the time this publishes, you'll have the updated promo code. We'll put it in the show notes and, and update it on the website. Yeah, cool. Well, why don't we get started? We got uh, Tonight's going to be interesting. We are, uh, we're talking about Microsoft. We're actually, we're talking about Microsoft uh, using Skype, so a Microsoft product. And uh, second time we've talked to Microsoft, you weren't on the last time. It was fun. It was uh, unexpected. We used to we used to always say we never could have Microsoft on the show for whatever reason, and, and now twice in about six months. So it's going to be fun tonight. Yeah, absolutely. So so tonight we have Corey Sanders, uh, Director of Program Management uh, at Microsoft, and Ryan O'Hara, uh, Director of Private Cloud Solutions at Microsoft. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Thanks for having us. Doing excellent, yeah. And I don't know about uh, not getting your fill at Microsoft. We'll uh, we'll make sure we're a constant presence here. Uh, we're, we're we're willing to join as many times as you want us to join. So there you uh, go. Just let us know. We'll we'll be back. And now sure. now if we don't get invited, we'll know we did a terrible job. But okay. I guess right, uh, right, you can right. invite just me as well. So. Corey has a lot of words to share. Well, that's okay. <laughs> well, and and so what's interesting about this is what we really wanted to do was was talk about um, Azure Stack. Uh, because we've, we've been following Azure in one way or another for quite a while. And then we've been following the, the, the announcement of Azure stack. And, and that's why we wanted to talk to you tonight is, is really just kind of figure out how this came about and, and kind of where this space is potentially going. But, but before we do that, um, if you don't mind, just, just tell us, you've, you've both been at Microsoft for 
good amount of time now. Um, give us a little bit about, about your backgrounds briefly and, and some insight into kind of all the changes that seem to be going on at Redmond these days. Yeah, definitely. So uh, why don't I kick it off? This is uh, this is Corey uh, talking. I've been um, I've been with Microsoft for about 12 years now, um, and so I actually started as the developer uh, in Windows, uh, and I was uh, actually fixing bugs in the core parts of the Windows platform, um, which is kind of interesting given some of the areas that I work on now, which which I'll get to, um, uh, and did that for about five years, and then uh, moved into the Azure space, and I've been there now for about six, seven years. Um, did that add up to 12? I think so. Um, and so I've been uh, I've been working there and and have been responsible for some of the compute platforms um, in the team. And what's been actually really interesting as I spent my time in Azure, um, in sort of the public Azure side, uh, talking with customers over the last few years and and continue to sort of expand the platform and grow. We've sort of started building out um, uh, a lot of different perspectives about sort of the goals of the platform, what customers want to do on the platform. Uh, the first one uh, really being sort of the uh, what we we kind of draw Venn diagrams to, to, to show this or sort of a triangle, sort of thinking about the intersection of, um, you know, hyperscale, enterprise grade and hybrid being sort of a really important aspect as people approach the cloud. And obviously, the main part of today's show, we'll talk about the hybrid aspect um, and really focus in on that being a, a really critical aspect for people deploying. Uh, but the other two, obviously, hyperscale, the you know, 30 regions that we've announced, um, uh, you know, 2 trillion events coming in to our IoT system every month. Uh, just the growth that we've seen of, that pl- of the platform has been incredibly exciting. And then the enterprise grade, um, you know, being able to support really enterprise quality identity um, and uh, support uh, enterprise solutions, both Windows and Linux. Um, and uh, our recent Red Hat announcement sort of a good example of some of that uh, enterprise grade being brought into the Linux side. The other aspect of, of the work that I've done that's been very sort of um, a, a changing for me over the last few years has been a lot of the Linux work. So uh, uh, half of my team actually works uh, on the Linux part of the platform and the open source part of the platform, and the other half works sort of on the Windows part of the platform. I keep those teams separate from each other. I don't let them talk to each other. No, just kidding. Um, but uh, the, um, uh, what, we, uh, what we end up doing is it's, it's really been amazing to sort of see the growth and the excitement uh, for Linux-based solutions workload and OS. Uh, one in four VMs now running in the platform are running Linux. Um, and just the, the customer deployments, whether it be data stacks, whether it be Cloudera, whether it be Cloud Foundry or, or Pivotal Cloud Foundry, just the, the, the full range of these workloads that are deploying have been really exciting uh, to be a part of. Again, given my, my starting of my career solely on Windows, it's been uh, so much fun to to uh, be working working on a Mac and working in those parts of the uh, of that Linux space and open source space, um, and so that's an incredibly long winded uh, introduction <laughs> to myself and what I work on. So, fair that, enough. If that's any testament to the rest of this show, you're going to be bored of me by the time it's done. So maybe I'll hand it over to Ryan. <laughs> I think we are done. I think we covered everything. I told you all about Microsoft. Uh, yeah, this is Ryan. Uh, I started at Microsoft back in '97. Um, my focus at that time was around developer tools and then graduated from there into enterprise infrastructure, um, areas of, uh, you know, messaging, uh, security, and then uh, enterprise operating systems and management. Um, you, know, you asked an interesting question, like what, what sort of changed? Uh, I'd say at the macro level, um, we've gone from a focus of 
um, delivering our products and in sort of evangelizing what our products are capable of doing. And uh, today, I would say more and more our culture is about listening to customers and figuring out what our customers are trying to do and then making our products sort of enable or conform to their needs. Um, and so, you know, you, you, you can kind of translate this simply to a culture of um, – uh, experts to a culture of of, of sort of seekers or or uh, you know a culture of journeys. It's it, it's really interesting where you know I would say more and more or less and less you know you see employees inside of Microsoft saying I know what the answer is or 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 what the customer state ought to be and instead it's sort of let's go grab a bunch of customers figure out what business problems they're trying to solve and then let's go build the best technology that 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 they can depend on. Um, that mentality is, uh, I think, a dramatic shift um, over the, you know, the last uh, you know, 10, 15 years. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, we're seeing that uh, driven at the top of the company with folks like Satya. Um, and then I think now in the rank and file um, where there's, you know, more and more empowerment every day to, to go and kind of uh, listen to the customer voice. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's definitely interesting. I mean, every... Every couple of days, uh, you know, something gets announced and people literally go like, are, are we sure this is happening? I mean, we're seeing, you know, Linux, we're seeing, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's, yeah. it's definitely, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's great to see. I think people are really excited about it. I was out with a bunch of people uh, a couple of weeks ago in San Francisco and, you know, unanimously people were like, you know, I think Microsoft's turned the corner. I think they're, like you said, they're listening to people. They're open to different ideas. We're seeing things get open sourced. I mean, they're, you know, we're, we're joking about it a little bit, but I mean, you know, you, you've been around since 97. I mean, these things are really, really uh, big, different ideas coming out of Redden, which is, which is exciting. And, and given how big. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have guys like Corey Sanders on Cloudcast, you know, and then you've got SQL on Linux and, yeah. and <laughs> you know, and, those, end of, end of days. Those are, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, in the, in the past, the way we would talk about these things was, you know, we get the questions, you know, when will Microsoft embrace XYZ, uh, either open source component or Linux, et cetera. And we would often respond with, you know, when it makes business sense, when the business case makes sense. I think now the answer is simply when the customer case makes sense. Mm, yeah. And what you're seeing behind all these decisions is really a cust- that, customer-driven mentality I was talking about, which says, yeah, SQL on Linux, well, if that's what customers need to solve the problem, well, let's go there and, and do our best for them. Oh, that's great. And and I'll, I'll kind of uh, ask you to kind of move over into the Azure Stack side now. So so wh- oh, give, yeah, us that, the, give, us, give us the basics of Azure Stack and, and how does it differ from, say, previous Windows Server or other cloud platform offerings? And then I'm going to also kind of along those, those you know, customer-driven uh, uh, questions. One of the big questions we always ask a lot of the startups here is, is okay, what problem are you solving? Right. And so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, well, I think, uh, in, in, you know, short, short answer to your question is, you know, Azure stack is a projection of Azure, uh, that is instantiated in the customer's, uh, data center, the service provider's data center. Um, and, you know, when we start there, um, you know, that, is a that's a, a you know a, a very significant um, uh, step uh, forward I think for Microsoft but also for our industry. What I mean by that is um, uh, traditionally you know we, we like to look at things that land in the customer data center and we like to call them private infrastructure or private clouds. 
And so there's a there's a rush to go and compare Azure Stack to an OpenStack or uh, you know a, a, a VMware based private cloud or what have you. Um, I think the uh, the reality is that I don't think of Azure Stack as a private cloud. Um, I think of it as a companion or an extension to our uh, our Azure service. Um, and when you start to think about it in that way, then you sort of say, well, wait a second, what's the Azure service represent? Um, and as I've been having this conversation with customers more and more, the discussion is um, Azure to Microsoft um, is is platform and not place, uh, meaning it's it's the it's the platform of services that are going to power modern applications um, for customers moving forward. Uh, it's not a place where we just host a bunch of VMs um, and where you know where, where sort of arbitrary things happen. Um, and so if you think about it in the platform context, then you start to say, okay, well if I if I want to uh, invest in this platform, wouldn't I want a platform to be globally available wherever I need to make great things happen? Um, wouldn't I want um, you know the, um, the 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 broadest availability and the richest set of services uh, for my developers, um, whether they are you know targeting something in Microsoft data centers or or in the, in the private data centers, um, and so so you know once you once you kind of make that step, then you say oh okay I get it, uh, Azure then is the only hyperscale uh, uh, modern cloud platform. Uh, that um, not only offers a self-hosted or a globally hosted uh, environment, but also rolls that platform out in the hands of customers, and that's the role Azure Stack plays. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know from the the from, from my conversations with customers on on the on sort of the public Azure side, I think um, uh, there's just so many that are hungry. For the agility, uh, the agility, the time to market, the time to value that the cloud is offering. I mean, it's a real tangible value that people are finding in the cloud. It's it's um, uh, uh, it's really changing the way a lot of businesses are, are interacting and uh, and building solutions, and that's um, uh, across pretty much all facets uh, of of business, from retail to oil and gas to uh, to healthcare. And um, uh, but across a lot of those facets, across a lot of those verticals, there there's those difficulties sometimes about um, uh, about the public cloud um, aspects around proximity to your customers or compliance expectations or uh, governance and so on. And um, so there's that hunger there, but then there's that additional desire or that additional value that's not being met. And I think that's where sort of the, that, that extension into the private cloud becomes really, really valuable. Yeah. So, um, so I, you know, I'll, I'll say right now, uh, one of the most important applications going on in my life right now, which is my my bracket, which is over on ESPN, I noted today, was was running on. Um, so, so kudos for that. Um, that's uh, a business, so, business business critical for many of us these days. Um, so, so Brian, was your bracket right. busted tonight, though? Partially busted, but I, I won't blame it on these guys. I'll blame it on the Big Ten. Um, but uh, no, so, so let's yeah. so, so let's so let's break this down a little bit. So, we, I mean, we've heard for a long time lots of companies who. Uh, you know, for, for, for the right term or the wrong term, I've sort of said, hey, um, I, I like what's in the public cloud, but I need it in my own data center for, like you said, multiple reasons, yeah, proximity, security, compliance, whatever, whatever the thing was. What, you know, Azure, um, you know, and the public clouds don't necessarily give away a lot about their architecture, but 
the, the bits that we know about about Azure, um, you know, it's sort of deployed in 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 racks. Uh, you know, in terms of like, you know, it's 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 racks at a time. There's you know, there's pods, there's nodes. Um, how do you how do you equate that? What is what is a customer of of any reasonable size? What do they do when they get the Azure Stack? How much gear do they have to have? What do they have to do to set it up? I mean, how how close does it mirror? Um, you know, what's, what's in Azure and, and, and how much can they, you know, is, is there any using of the existing equipment they might have in place like networking in SAN, or is it just racks of equipment to mirror sort of what's in, in Azure public cloud? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. This is Ryan. I'll, I'll, I'll take a stab at, at, at addressing that one. I mean, I think from the, uh, first of all, your question kind of highlights or gives us the opportunity to highlight, like, what's the, what's sort of the engineering challenge in bringing Azure Stack into the customer's hands? Yeah. And, you know, our approach, uh, um, you know, one of the things with the principles guiding our approach is creating a, um, uh, a, a, a tenant-facing platform um, of you know rich services, infrastructure, and platform services that are uh, that are consistent with uh, what you see in the public cloud. Um, that promise of consistency is is so critical, right? There are so many um, sort of uh, private instantiations of services, IaaS or PaaS, that are frankly you know uh, not the public cloud. Um, and, and, you know, we've really strived to avoid being, you know, another thing that represents an otherness, you know, instead we're trying to, 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 to represent, you know, Azure very directly. And the way you do that is, um, you do not ape the public cloud. You do not sort of say, Hey, there's, you know, um, there's the S3 API and we're just going to go and ape that, uh, and bring that on premises. What you do is, you, you know, we, we've taken the approach of, uh, sharing code of the, of the platform services with the public cloud, and uh, bring those uh, bring those services and make them deployable in the in the enterprise. So uh, first and foremost, it starts with you know a significant amount of resource sharing um, uh, for the things that customers will ultimately consume. Uh, the next challenge, though, is. Uh, we have to make those things uh, deployable at a scale that's reasonable to the enterprise and operable by the admins uh, who um, who power the enterprise. And um, that's an additional set of challenges then that we need to take on, uh, in particular on my team. Um, if you think about the way we, you know, provision services um, uh, in the Azure data center and, and deploy the underlying infrastructure, we make assumptions about absolutely massive amounts of capacity that are typically in place. Um, you know, Azure deploys, you know, uh, sort of uh, uh, scale units that are 30 racks of infrastructure at a time. Um, when you have 30 racks of infrastructure, uh, you make different assumptions about uh, qualities of service and and uh, you know, um, uh, ca- you know capacity planning, et cetera. And so uh, we've designed uh, Azure Stack to be operable um, in an enterprise running on you know a minimum environment of sort of four nodes, uh, four physical servers, uh, and then growing beyond that. Um, and then for customers that want to sort of uh, build out multiple environments of these, you know, uh, of these, uh, uh, the, these, these clustered environments, um, they'll build out, you know, an infrastructure of, of multiple clusters uh, starting at four nodes and scaling uh, beyond that. And then they will layer on multiple regions 
uh, made up of those multiple clusters. Um, and so, you know, a given enterprise might have then, a, you know, a, a multi-region topology powered by uh, multiple clusters, giving them some high availability concepts of the infrastructure. And as they do that, all that has to be monitored, all that needs to be patched, all that needs to be um, uh, orchestrated um, by uh, the administrators. And so, uh, you know, one of the things that we uh, we do is we uh, we try to tackle the complexity of the lifecycle operations with um, uh, basically a purpose-built management framework that will uh, not only simplify the provisioning of an Azure Stack environment, but also the um, orchestration of updates uh, uh, as as the admins operate this in, across the lifecycle, an optimized set of uh, alerts and monitors for uh, uh, for health services as well, um, and so you know very much so trying to think about how do we take the existing skill sets of the enterprise and let them participate in this uh, journey to provide cloud services. Um, now you asked, like, hey, you know, can I just repurpose a bunch of my environment and um, roll it out? Um, you know, it, in short, I'd say no, right? In in short, uh, most of the customers that are going to go down this path of building out a cloud environment, um, they're going to provision generally new hardware, right? They're going. This is going to be a project that is backed by a budget uh, with a you know with a reasonable team that is scoped to uh, to address the challenges. Um, you know, I think getting into a cloud project uh, in the enterprise uh, requires that kind of uh, critical thinking and upfront planning, um, and is not simply go <laughs> harvest a bunch of brownfield resources and try to uh, repurpose them into something that becomes a, a, a mission critical service. Yeah, no, I think I think that makes sense. It's it's like you said, you sort of have to get people a little bit into the mindset to say, hey, you, you know, we're not going to sort of do this sort of halfway. You, you have to, the environment's got to be right. The operations have to be right. The software's got to be right. So, I mean, that, that all makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. And, and the thing that I'd say is like, there's no, you know, there's no magic here, right? Like we're still talking about like, you know, uh, provisioning, you know, clusters of multiple machines, right? There's still firmware that will need to be updated. There are still patches that will need to be applied. Yep. Um, you know, these, we can simplify these things and we can make more optimal ways of, of working through these tasks, but these tasks exist. And so one of the things that I find myself talking to customers about quite often is, do you want to re-up for that journey? You know, like it's time now to really, you know, write out the list of pros and cons and say, for what portion of my estate can I can I can I go and push the boundaries and 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 bring my company to the public cloud and take that dependency? And for what set of items can I not? And what are the reasons that are actually blocking me from from sort of going all in? And and the reason I, I we, we usually have that discussion is, you know, I, I sort of say that list is going to be very valuable because, you know, down the road, three months, six months, 12 months from now, when you're through the implementation and you're updating all of these servers and, you know, you're, you're running through issues that are, you know, that are uh, 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 critical to that environment, which there will be those things, you want to pull out that list and remind yourself why are you why are you continuing to make investments on premises? And for the reasons that that Corey talked about, uh, co some customers that have been planful, appropriately thoughtful about that decision 
are going to be able to answer that and say, yes, we had to because of critical regulations. We had to because of data sovereignty. We had to because of, 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 of data gravity. Uh, and then I think the customers that say, I don't know why I'm in this state are going to, are going to scratch their heads and say, you know what, you know, we have a, we have a decision making, uh, compass that has failed us and we have to step back and, and reassess. That's fantastic. Uh, let me ask you this though, uh, along those lines. So now that you, you're, you're kind of still in preview, um, based off of the customer feedback you've seen so far, what, what did you expect and were the use cases that, that you're primarily using for these? And then probably more importantly, at times that we tend to ask this question a lot, what, what didn't you expect? Any kind of things that you didn't see coming that came out of the, the customer feedback? Yeah, good good question. I think um, you know there's a, a a couple things that are interesting. One is our first preview um, was really to get um, to address the the scale question uh, definitively. Could we uh, stand up an environment that uh, was at a minimum scale? Uh, it doesn't have high availability, but it, it's you know our min scale is a one server proof of concept environment. Um, and so, check. You know, we we got to this place where we were able to sort of shrink the universe into into that uh, in, into that level of scale. Now, I think what's been interesting um, along that journey is, you know, we thought that um, uh, you know the, our preview customers would look at Azure Stack and Azure and say, um, maybe I'll do dev test in one location and I'll do production in another. Um, they'll think about. Um, uh, you know, sort of a use case that is for the public and a use case for the private. Um, more, I would say the thing that is, uh, surprises the most is how aggressive customers are thinking about the hybrid use cases um, and not sort of uh, an A versus B mentality, but an A plus B. Um, and that really gets into uh, scenarios like, you know, you're talking about um, uh, your bracket earlier. Uh, Instead of saying I have a new application and I want to do one thing in in private and one thing in public, it's instead saying I have an I have a end-to-end -end experience and I want to leverage some on-premises assets in combination with some public cloud assets. And often this gives rise to um, portfolio or application modernization scenarios where, hey, I want to globally project a consumer experience that is going to be uh, optimized for, uh, you know, uh, smartphones uh, connecting to um, uh, a service uh, uh, represented, you know, and, and, and served up through Azure, uh, whether it's the media services, the CDN services, what have you. Um, but I want to connect to, um, uh, you know, line of business applications or data stores that, you know, my company has built up over multiple years. Um, and I actually want to, uh, you know, make envision building one service that actually connects those two elements. And I want to do all of that on the Azure platform. Um, that's, I'd say, the, the, the discussion that is sort of surprises how ready customers are. Um, in particular, you know, uh, application developers are to go push the hybrid, um, the boundaries of hybrid thinking now that we're offering this consistent platform that stretches across the two. I would also say that I'm like shocked that some of these guys have deployed one server and now can claim that they've got Azure running in their garage or whatever else. <laughs> you know, I think that's coming. just those are the funniest. I wish I could do that. Make things simpler. Yeah. Yeah, they all want to get on the commercial like uh, the Weather Channel or something like that. Um. <laughs> that's right. 
So, um, you know, we've been, we've been kind of following this space for a long time. You guys have obviously been, been building stuff for a long time. Um, I mean, you hear, you hear all the time, especially in the, in the on-prem space, you know, trying to build and run a cloud is hard. Um, you guys are going to give them the software elements of this, which is, which is huge. Like you said, you're sort of sharing code between the, uh, between the server team and the, and the cloud team. Yep. How much further does Microsoft then go with that? Obviously, you, you talked about um, you're going to you're going to push and be able to to update features and update security patches and, and those sort of things. Is there a is there an operational element? I mean, it does uh, does the Azure team sort of run something for customers as if it is a a remote region or something like that, or is it still do customers kind of operationalize it themselves? Well, yeah, I would say, first of all, we have a service that uh, Microsoft operationalizes on behalf of the customers. That's Azure, and customers are <laughs> more than, more than, you know, those doors are open, and, you know, I encourage customers and your listeners to go out and uh, and get subscriptions there uh, today. But uh, sort of joking aside, like, uh, um, the you're really, I think, bringing us back to some of the things that I talked about earlier, which is, um, how uh, to what extent are you listening to the customer uh, challenges and solving the customer problems? And um, uh, so first and foremost, I would say I do think about Azure Stack very much as being um, in some ways an enterprise region of uh, Azure. You know, you yeah. have, uh, you know, in the public cloud, a U.S. East or, uh, you know, a U.S. West sort of region that you can consume from. And then in some cases, you will have the Contoso, you know, enterprise region uh, that you will uh, you will also consume from. And so I think that's sort of a reality. Now, um, uh, as we as we work to achieve that with customers, um, I think we are extending into the uh, a broader um, chunk of the problem than just delivering software. Uh, but I would say where we're optimizing our efforts right now is working with the hardware ecosystem um, that is going to, to ultimately uh, deliver these solutions in conjunction with the software that we provide. Um, uh, rather than, as you were suggesting, reaching in and providing the you know remote operations from our NOC or our service uh, operation center, um, and so the work that we do with our hardware ecosystem is really to to jointly engineer um, uh, systems that you know uh, work as optimized hosts for the software. Um, and work together on sort of you know the the best configurations, the best layout, the best configurations, best ways to monitor um, you know software and hardware. Gotcha. Uh, and I think this is a fairly important um, important one because if you look at where customers run into um, you know sort of gnarly problems, thorny problems uh, in the build out of their cloud projects, it tends to be just bringing up uh, the environments. Uh, and getting to uh, a first known good state um, before they ever get to the long-term operations mm-hmm. of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Um, final question. Uh, we're kind of hitting kind of some of our time limits here. What are your thoughts on, okay, Azure Cloud has a very large set of services, and how should customers really think about Azure Stack and, and pulling those services down? Is it, a, is it a subset of services? Is it full services? Tell us a little bit about maybe some of the nuances or differences uh, between Azure Cloud and, and Azure Stack. Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, the, the, um, 
uh, I'd say, again, this comes back to let's meet the customers where they need us to be. And, um, you know, today, Azure's got a, you know, really broad offering of services, infrastructure, and and platform services. Um, it also has, you know, a robust management and automation layer. Uh, we've talked about the Azure Resource Manager, et cetera, uh, and different consumption interfaces, be it dev tools, APIs, uh, you know, PowerShell, um, uh, what have you. Uh, the um, uh, you know the work that we're doing in Azure Stack uh, basically says okay um, let's get the core you know infrastructure services as you would probably expect you know let's get the compute uh, service let's get the network service so we've got gateways and you know we've got load, balancer. uh, load balancers and 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 VNets and then let's also bring in storage and and you know here let's think about structured storage like blobs and tables and queues. Um, so we got that foundation under us. Uh, then, as we you know, as we establish that, um, of course, we wrap that with you know the portals and the APIs and all the management interfaces that um, are there in the public cloud. Uh, we've brought those on premises. Uh, and then finally, we say, okay, well, then what platform services sh should we bring? How do we think about these higher level services? And I kind of think about it in two camps, honestly. One is. There are a set of Azure services that probably don't make sense for us ever to bring on-prem. And um, what what kind of guides my thinking there is, you know, there's a set of services that make, uh, make economic sense. Uh, uh, they're feasible only because they are shared by multiple tenants, right? Um, you know, there's a, a large build-out of a compute farm um, that multiple tenants can ultimately, you know, amortize. We can amortize that cost and complexity over multiple tenants, and we can we can provide something that makes a lot of sense. But if we were to burden any one enterprise with standing up, you know, a large indexing farm or, you know, uh, you know, a large uh, identity graph infrastructure, like, you know, there are, there are, there are uh, then becomes an operator's burden um, where customers would say, no, thank you, I'd rather consume that uh, from the public uh, cloud in a shared way. Um, once we kind of take those off the table, then it really becomes a question of, all right, where are customers taking bets to modernize their application portfolio? And um, there, I think, you know, you would, you would anticipate um, uh, the list of requirements I've got uh, on my team, almost based on some of the, the conferences that you were talking about yeah. uh, earlier, right? I mean, you guys are talking about going to DockerCon, right? Like, like the importance of things like, you know, containers, right? The importance of, uh, of a PaaS service, be it a Microsoft PaaS or uh, the ability to make, you know, the, the open source platform frameworks just, you know, sing right. um, uh, on, uh, on, our, on our service. Um, you know, th this is work that, you know, we're absolutely in engaged in uh, to bring those services. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things when we, and we approach this with in Azure, uh, very customer driven and sort of looking at that whole stack and, and um, uh, you know, when we start at the infrastructure layer for things like, you know, very deep support for, for Cloud Foundry and so on, um, that will obviously move down as sort of that higher level service that you could then enable. But then even some of our managed services, uh, you know, recently announced the container service uh, that, um, uh, you know, sits on a, a set of infrastructure but can then deploy uh, Apache Mesos or deploy Docker Swarm. Um, you know, those technologies, those solutions will all go down as well because they make a lot of sense to be able to take sort of 
that original point that I made, the desire for customers to the hunger to get that new agility, that new application model, that modern app story, um, uh, it really does transcend the hybrid cloud. And so making sure that we enable it either via infrastructure with the Linux-based or open source solutions sitting on top of it, or with our managed services that in many cases are now actually depending upon Linux, depending on open source to be able to uh, offer the product to customers. And I think a combination of those types of solutions are really going to drive both the public cloud, it's already driving the public cloud, and then in the future we'll, we'll continue to drive the, the um, Azure Stack story as well. And, and one of the things that I would say is um, this is going to be an interesting product to deliver because it's in some ways um, – it's very different than, than than previous infrastructure products where we think about one big bang in terms of a general availability, and then you know we retreat and go back and plan and work on the next thing for you know two years and then and then re-release. In in the case of Azure Stack, uh, you know we will see a continuous stream of updates where we can continue to uh, not only rev the services so they keep in concert with Azure within a reasonable uh, cadence. Um, but also the ability to uh, introduce previews and and ultimately generally available services from Azure that are incremental to what we might start off with when we uh, you know when we initially launched the the, the product. So um, I think that's going to be uh, part of being in the cloud cadence. Um, and again, one of those things that um, is going to be important that we uh, make that attainable, uh, simplified to the point where customers can keep pace with with us, uh, so they get the most value out of that that consistent cloud uh, story we talked about earlier. Yeah, no, very very cool. I, I you know way, way back in the day, back in the Bill Gates days, it was uh, the Microsoft goal was a was a was a computer in every home. It's it's now become a, a cloud in every data center or, or garage. Uh, so it's, it's very, very cool. So guys, um, you know, we always ask, uh, obviously people, you know, we'll, we'll have links in the show notes to, to how to go get to the software and the previews. Um, you know, if people want to reach out to you or where will they see your team out and about at events this year, what's, what's the best way for people to, to kind of engage, uh, if they, if they've got follow-up questions or just want to kind of get involved with the program a little more. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, Corey wanted to jump in and you know <laughs> offer his personal email and everything. So I was going to get my Twitter account. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. uh, no, but I mean, I I would say first of all, check out the product, uh, and that simple is going to Azure.com, uh, where you can, uh, you know, get a, a trial subscription for public Azure, and you can download the bits for Azure Stack and get get rolling. Yeah. Um, I think from a conference perspective. Um, you know, we've got, you know, two big uh, conferences coming up from, in terms of a developer and, you know, kind of IT professional uh, perspective uh, in both Build and Ignite. And we're going to have a lot to say about uh, Azure and Azure Stack uh, there. Um, and then, you know, I also, uh, you know, think about um, all of the ISVs in the ecosystem that want to extend our Azure story. And, of course, we'll be working with them, uh, you know, across build and our partner conferences, et cetera. So I think uh, this is Corey. You can you can you actually can reach me on Twitter, um, and so it's uh, Corey Sanders Wa. So Corey C O R E Y S A N D E R S W A. You can go ahead and tweet me. I do have a amazingly silly weekly television weekly show on that you can that that I tweet out. Uh, it's called Tuesdays with Corey. Uh, so super clever, shameless plug. I'm not actually supposed to or allowed to be talking about it, but I did nonetheless. I think he's uh, trying to compete with you. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast versus Tuesdays and I definitely am not. No, I'm not. We, <laughs> um, 
We support all fa- all forms of shameless plugging. It's no big no big deal. <laughs> Um, and then conference-wise, I do actually try and get out to uh, to quite a few. I, I've been to a couple of the DockerCons. I'm going to try and come to come to the, the next DockerCon. Um, uh, we'll see. Um, and uh, um, uh, yeah, the Cloud Foundry conference as well. I'm, I'm looking at it, possibly attending. So I think there's a few that we're that I'm looking at going to. So uh, we'll see. Very cool. Very cool. Aaron, you want to uh, wrap it up? Take us home. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, on behalf of everyone, thank you very much for listening this week, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 